and thanks for hitting the snooze button. My name's Neil Headley. I was ready to write off a literal lifelong battle with insomnia to just being part of the gig when I took on a 30-year career in morning radio and television. Well, I dug a little bit deeper and found out that I had a lot more to learn. So here's what this series is about. We are going to fix your sleep by figuring out why mine is so horribly broken and see if we can't stumble upon some answers together. We talk to neuroscientists and sleep researchers from all over the world. We talk to celebrities and high achievers and get their sleep hacks and see how many of them are rooted in science or how many are rooted in some kind of placebo effect. We'll explore all of that too. And we've got a special guest for you today that I'm going to introduce you to in a second. First, I want to tell you that the show is brought to you by my friends at uh, Nexus Web Hosting. I have not a word of hyperbole, a dozen different website projects on the go right now. And step one for me in every single one of them is booking the web hosting. If you go to this website right here, neilsentme.com, you can get a pretty awesome discount on the exact same web hosting infrastructure that I use for every single project I'm involved in. So again, neilsentme.com, save yourself a bunch of money. You don't even have to tell them I sent you. Now, I would begin by introducing our guest for this week as, and and here's the thing, I can do this before she comes on because as soon as she comes on, I know that she's going to try to correct me, but it's my show, so I can. She is one of the most legendary broadcasters in Canadian radio history. What that means if you are south of the border, as so much of our audience is, is that you she might not be a name in your household like she was in mine for decades, but guess what? That has changed because she has a brand new sleep podcast that we're going to talk all about and give you all the information you could possibly want to know. Uh, she is one of my broadcasting idols, and she is here. Welcome, Aaron Davis. Neil. Okay, I'm not going to try and correct you, but thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That's so kind. It's nice to see you. Uh, first of all, you're looking well. Re- retirement from radio is treating you well. It sure is. I call it rewirement. And boy, oh boy, it's it's all about the rewiring and what you choose to do when you're done. It's It's a new beginning. You and I spend an awful lot of time waking up in the middle of the night to wake other people up. How's the adjustment been to you getting back to whatever they call a normal schedule? Easy peasy. I just, you know, I'm, I love to do work in bed at night. I love to write there. I love to edit there. My husband and I had the hard talk the other day about it, though. He said, this has turned into your office. It has to end. So, all right. Um, but, you know, I, and I'll stay up till all hours and then sleep in till 930, 10 o'clock, depending on my schedule. I just love it. Isn't it interesting because you and I spent such a long time just with the assumption wired into our brains that everybody on the planet gets out of bed by seven. Uh, And then we we all we walk away from a little bit and we go, oh, wait, there's people that don't get out of bed until the crack of noon and they're not musicians. Wait a minute. You know, (laughs) yeah. And they missed our shows. And that's the that's the hardest part. But of course, now people are putting up clips and podcasts and stuff so that anyone who wants to go back and listen to it can find it. So we all win. Other than the fact that you spent so much time looking at people who slept, perhaps with a certain degree of envy, what is it that drew you to sleep as subject matter for a podcast? Well, you know what? It's almost like karma. Um, And to be truthful, you know, I kind of glibly say that this is my way of paying you back for all those mornings. You got up with me. Now I'm going to put you to sleep. I'm thanking you that way. But uh, really, it was something that I would go to bed at night and this idea would not let me sleep. 
and you know to listen to those ideas. So I reached out to my friends at my former employer, Rogers, which is a large company across Canada, broadcasting, telecommunications, everything. And I said, I've got this idea and it won't let me go. And they said, well, we have a podcast division and they're looking for good content. So let me connect you. And voila, it began then in June of 2021, Drift was launched. And so how often do new episodes of Drift come along? Every single week. Before it began in June, I was I was writing and editing and recording and just trying to get as many stories in as I could. And, and oh, God, learning to talk differently instead of enunciating so much and all of those sibilant S's and crisp T's and D's that are just so distracting when you're trying to go to sleep. So softening my consonants, getting a new microphone, uh, a preamp, all of the tech stuff that I had to be brought up to speed on, but also finding, Neil, that my mouth was letting me down. And I had, you know, this is what we use. These are our instruments for our whole career. And you have to learn a new way to speak. So it was really a steep learning curve as this video and what we're doing here today has been too. And uh, it's really exciting to be able to, to take on these new skills, stumble along the way, and then pick it up and try it again. Are you a good sleeper? Yes. Uh, once I get to sleep, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm not as lucky as my husband who, through editing and producing for years and years of radio, is, is quite hearing impaired. So he can take out his devices at night and doesn't hear a sound. I hear everything. Those are the mom ears, I call them. But, um, but I do sleep well. I really do. So tell me about a typical episode of Drift, because this show is ridiculously science heavy. Um, In fact, it's been educational for me along the way, talking to so many researchers and scientists. And now I've become that guy at, well, when we used to go to parties, I've become that guy in the conversation that people will just walk up to me and they'll be like, so I'm having this problem with my sleep. What do you, what do you think it is? Like asking me as if I'm some kind of a doctor or something. Um, But what I understand, and I know from having listened to the show, that the focus of Drift is a little bit different than that. Oh, it totally is. You would, I would classify what you do as sleep adjacent. It's not the stuff that you listen to at night while you're trying to go to sleep, because I'm sure people are going, oh my God, that's great. I've got to remember it. Let's write it down. And who is this person? Where do I find their book? And then, you know, you're off in this rabbit hole of information and, and you know, your interest has been grasped like that. Now, I do have a small compendium to my podcast, which I call Catch My Drift. And those are sleep adjacent interviews, things like dreams and essential oils and uh, sleep training your children. But the main, uh, the main crux, the heart of it is stories that will put you to sleep. I begin with about two to two and a half minutes of gentle breathing and relaxing exercises to get you in the right place. Then then the music fades out and I go into the story and then I come on at the end and say, now drift off and sweet dreams and go into waves for five minutes. So that is the basic. Usually the stories are 30 to 45 minutes. If it's a if it's a multi-parter, like the Jungle Book was three parts, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button was two, I'll begin the next part with a brief recap of what happened in the previous part in case you fell asleep, which is the whole purpose of it, right? So that's basically it in a nutshell. 
Interesting because people who have been listening to the show for a long time know that, I don't know, about it's about two years ago now that we had a guest on who does a, a, another podcast called Boring Books for Bedtime, where she will, uh-huh. in the most boring voice possible, read you things like um, the assembly instructions for a 1987 Maytag washer. Uh, and she'll just read through them in the most boring, and it's literally designed to just, <laughs> she has a hard time staying awake through the episodes herself. When you're choosing material for your show, what what kind? I mean, obviously, you're not going to be reading, you know, uh, Rambo the book, which, by the way, is a terrible right. book. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, you know, Rambo thought to himself, uh, 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 it's it's just not yeah, good. That's right. Um, that's right. right. <laughs> what, so, what source material are you looking at? What what makes the cut? What doesn't make the cut for drift? I've written a few myself that were inspired by my book, Morning is Broken, at the request of Frequency Pods. They wanted a little bit about, not about grief, because that can take you off, but there's one called The Hands We Hold in Our Sleep. You know, who would you, whose hand would you like to be holding right now? And then I tell a story of going to yoga class with Lauren and reaching over and touching her hand and her flicking me away because teenagers do that. But, and then there's another one, um, imagining yourself as a travel writer in the south of France and going to this small village where they hold La Fête de la Transhumance, which is an annual event that they, they parade the sheep and the goats and the donkeys through the town because they're going to be moving to higher ground for the summer. So it, it combines my love of travel and my own experiences but the most, uh, for the most part, the stories are, they have to be public domain uh, because I'm not going to pay royalties to, to you know, popular authors and that sort of thing. I just don't have a budget. But so I find uh, there's Edith Nesbitt who wrote, um, she wrote all of these stories called the Book of Dragons. And they're all, if they're not the perfect length, I, I rewrite them enough so I haven't, uh, polluted or tainted what the author has written, but I've I've maybe abbreviated them a little bit or taken out a character or a certain situation, and uh, yeah, believe me, it's a it's a lot of nerve to you know to go to F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, I'm just going to tighten that up a bit, but uh, <laughs> I I did one recently with Oscar Wilde. And I just thought, well, you know what? If Oscar's ghost comes back to haunt me, at least it's going to be interesting. So uh, <laughs> I, I do it with reverence and humility. And uh, I try to make it more in today's uh, lingo, if it's a story from the 1900s or the 1800s. Um, I just want it to be a gentle story that, you know, I couldn't use Edgar Allan Poe. All of his right. stuff is in the public domain, but there's no way you want to read about the cask of Amontillado before you go to sleep or the telltale no. heart, right? No, no, no. Almost right there with Rambo. So, uh, as soon as, because yeah. as soon as you've heard the telltale heart, you, you talk about you hear all the sounds at night, that's the sound you're hearing. You're like, is there something in the basement that I need to be concerned about? You know, you're just thinking exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I remember so, the idea of you know, sort of lulling people to sleep with soft, soothing things being read to them. I mean, 1981, I used to produce a show called Nocturne that was a radio guy named Jim Paulson that I know that you and I both know. Oh, God, Jim Paulson. Of course, of course. What a voice. 
And Jim had, you're right, this amazing voice. You could listen to Jim read the ingredients for cheesecake and it would sound like the most delicious cheesecake you could possibly imagine. But Jim would do the same thing. He would spend an hour, but the, the catch was, this was 1981, and so there was no way to schedule it. If you didn't go to sleep when Jim started doing Nocturne, well, then you were gonna miss the whole thing. Um, right. The beauty of a podcast like Drift is it's there whenever you need it, right? Yes, and I've started mentioning, you know, stretch out in, in your bed or in your airplane seat or on your couch or your recliner, wherever you are, because as you know, we sleep where we can and sometimes you just need that little push to go off into, into relaxation. And by the way, thank you so much for talking about Drift here. I really appreciate it, Neil. Um, as someone else who has a podcast, and I think that the late night TV shows really taught us to do that, right? That there's room enough for everyone and you yeah. can have newscasters on from another network as a guest on your show. So um, bounty enough for all. And I do appreciate you even talking about it here. Thank you. Mind you, I am I am interested. You talk about news anchors. I'm I'm interested in getting Anderson Cooper on the show one day because I need oh. to have a cross word or two with Anderson because I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, Anderson Cooper 360 on CNN. The entire yes. set is blue, so there is an enormous amount of blue light coming out of my television screen, which of course all the scientists uh -huh. say is going to keep you awake. I feel like somebody needs to, like Anderson is the only thing on the screen that is not blue. And so I would love to watch 360 at night because I love Anderson Cooper, but I know that the blue light from watching him all night is gonna keep me up an extra hour or two. And that's another thing I wanna throw at you is, I'm assuming that over the decades that you spent forging this identity as a broadcasting legend, there must have been times where sleep just didn't show up for you. Uh, oh, and you had God, to get up yes. the next day to do a morning show. So in a yeah. case like that, what did you do? What was your trick? What did you, what was the thing that you relied on? Wow, uh, well, because you know, if something breaks at night and you know you're gonna be talking about it the next day, which so often happens, um, then the mind starts working and, and it just goes and goes. That combined with a deadline, when you go, when you start doing the sleep math, and I know you've done it, you go, oh my God, if I go to sleep now, I'll have four and a half hours. Oh no, it's three and a half hours. And and the more you, you know, obsess about it, the worse off you are. So mm -hmm. um, I, I sought the advice of naturopaths and now I get it by prescription, something called tryptophan, L-tryptophan, which is a, I know you know, it's a natural enzyme that is found in warm milk and, you know, turkey and bananas and all that, yeah. And it is natural and it just kind of goes zoom. So even when you're anxious during the day or you wake up in the morning and everything's gone sideways and your inbox is full of chaos, a tryptophan or a half of one. So tryptophan was always my friend. Alcohol was not because as you also know, um, it, it, it prevents you from getting your REMs and, and so therefore you're not getting that deep sleep that your body so deeply craves. Plus you wake up feeling like dirt. So there was that. But yeah, tryptophan was my thing, meditating as well. Um, but yeah, once devices became such an integral part of our lives, I was not following your blue light advice. And you know why 360 is all blue? It's because Anderson's eyes are blue and you know that's bringing out his best color, Neil. Sure, Come absolutely. On. It's gotta be more flattering, <laughs> right? Um, I wanna do a bit of a, a shout out slash throwback to your book and 
forgive me in advance because this question is going to come out all kinds of wrong. Um, But there is no good way to ask a question like this. How long after the events that are chronicled in your book about grief did it take for you to be able to sleep again? Oh, that's a good question and one that no one has asked, um, which an interviewer always loves to hear. Um, (laughs) It was probably once I started back at work uh, because Lauren died May 11th of 2015 and I went back June 11th. And until that time, I would wake up at all hours in the night and go, is this the time she died? Is this the time she died? Because as the book tells, I was in Jamaica with you know about 80 listeners and our radio team getting ready to do a morning show live from down there uh, when we got the word on the Monday after Mother's Day that Lauren had died. And you know, as a parent, you obviously think that you have this ethereal connection and that when your child is sick or needs you, you're going to know. But I, somehow I slept through it and woke up at my usual 4.30 or whatever it was on that day. So I would continuously wake up and wonder if that was the time. And of course, you go to bed hoping that she's going to come to you in your dreams, which I understand from people who have connections to the afterlife or believe that they do, that, you know, it's like the more you want it, the less it's going to happen. You just have to kind of let it be and let it go and and see what happens. And it, it took years and years and years before Rob or I dreamt about Lauren. It's strange. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I mean, dreams are funky things to begin with, right? I, yes. I, I can't wait to introduce you to my friend, and she's been a guest on the show twice, uh, Dr. Céline Bestien, who is the president of the Canadian Sleep Society, who is a huge fan of lucid dreaming. Oh, and yeah. the idea that you can, to a certain degree, control the content of your dreams. Now, yeah. I don't know that that necessarily is helpful to you in that scenario, but the idea that, that dreams are this thing that you know, so many times people have the, oh, I'm running through, I'm being chased by someone and I go off a cliff or the I've lost all my teeth dream or all those really common dreams and don't yeah. even get me started on what COVID has done to our dreams. Oh. Uh, but the idea that you have a hand in and can control to a degree what happens after a dream starts is amazing to me. Yes, and, and I spoke to a dream expert on that topic as well, the lucid dreaming, and she brought up Uh, how useful it is for children who dream of being chased by a lion that you can stop and turn around and and actually confront them. So um, it's an interesting idea, but once again, like so many things, once it's in your head, maybe you can start to do it. I love the idea of picking up dreams where they left off and it's quite possible. I've done that. You just kind of get yourself back in the same space in bed and go, okay, where was I? And yeah, it can be done. I always want to find out how they're going to end. As you've become more and more, let's call it, uh, because I mean you are, you're a household name in Canada, um, as you become more and more prominent with Drift as a sleep as a person who's knowledgeable, I don't want to say sleep expert because that's a thing that like a billion people have in their bios on Twitter. And it's just, you know, you might as well have put Rockstar or Ninja in there because it's just, come on, let's hand out that title very carefully. Um, But have you become yet the person that your friends walk up to and say, listen, Aaron, uh, this is going on. Has that happened to you yet? No, no, and I'm grateful. I mean, you you get to be that guy. I'll say, contact Neil, He's here's his email. (laughs) 
um, because I'm not, I'm not, and I don't think anyone has ever said, oh, I envy you, um, mostly, and as you know this from doing morning radio for all those years, the most common question you get asked is, what time do you go to bed? People are fascinated by that, and there are some people like early morning television folk who go to bed, you know, before the sun goes down, and they do their six, seven, eight hours straight I never did. I would go to bed, you know, I would, as I said, I would try and have a life, go to bed at 10, sometimes 11, and then definitely get two to three hours during the day. I broke it up into, into chunks, which is not the best way, but I was never one of those power nappers. I come from a great line of nappers. My father was an airline pilot in the forces and then commercially, and he could not off like that. Not while he was flying, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but he could, and he still can. Of course, now he's 88, so he, he, he maps his day around his sleep, which is probably not the worst thing to do. It's how you get to be 88, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, no, exactly. If I, could, if I could just have the rest of the world follow my sleep schedule now, I'd... Oh. I'd, I'd People don't yeah. understand the door slammers in the hotel, the, 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 the high heels on the tile floor above you when you have to get up at four in the morning. They're having a party, they're, ha they're at a resort. Nobody understands, Neil. And the kindest no. thing that we ever did was when we would go on those remote listener trips where we had to get up while other people were coming home from the bars was to ask if housekeeping could please come in while we were doing the show, clean our room then, and then we could just put do not disturb on the door and, and get our three or four hours of sleep during the day. So we could be with listeners in the evening. People don't understand it's the, the schedule of garbage collectors and construction trucks backing up and beeping constantly. I used yep. to live on Bloor Street, one of Canada's busiest east-wests, which intersects which are with our longest, of course, Young Street. And it never ended. The motorcycles, why? Why do those motorcycles <laughs> have to be so loud? You right. know, oh well. And the garbage, like you said, the garbage trucks backing oh, up and yeah. beeping and all that stuff. Oh, that yeah. was the Achilles heel for me all the time. I, I yeah. used to live not far from that same area and it yeah. led to us moving because the, yeah. the sound of the garbage people was far too much. Um, we had listen, a neighbor Aaron, upstairs. She would come home and vacuum at 10 o'clock at night. I mean, Who does okay. that? I don't know, but she did it in heels, Neil. I could hear it. And all I could think of was like working girl and Melanie Griffith. And I'm thinking, girl, you better have a bra on. But anyway, ha that's... Hello. Um, <laughs> have, you, have you ever had that moment now that you're talking to, you know, for Catch My Drift, um, as you're talking to more and more scientists and researchers and, and sleep experts and people with it, have you had any of those aha moments that I had where you sort of recoil in horror at your own sleep habits? Have you done that one yet? Mm, not that I would, I don't think so because may, mostly it's been sort of the ethereal. I haven't gotten down to the nuts and bolts yet. I'm gonna be going into cognitive behavioral therapy and, and a few of the other guests that you've also had on because you're so generous in sharing. Um, I haven't had that aha and I'd like to think that I've got it down now, but Probably not. It's the devices, Neil. I know yeah. it's the devices in my bedroom and not the fun well, ones. And it was hello. Um, <laughs> and you said you like working at night. Um, you know, <laughs> I didn't know how bad my sleep really was until, and I tell this to, I've lost count of how many people either in person or on the internet that I've said this to. I had no idea how bad my sleep was until I actually went for uh, for polysomnography, AKA a sleep test yeah. at Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. 
And that was where I learned what was actually going on because like I said off the top of the show, I assumed it was just that my alarm went off at three or 3.30 in the morning and that mm-hmm. I had signed up for a lifetime of bad sleep. And then that's when the ball of what was really wrong with me started rolling, but at least then it put it into a box where I was able to identify it and deal with it and figure out what to do going forward. We just had, I just had last night, my wife tells me, uh, because my problem for people who haven't listened to the to the whole back catalog of the show, for me, it's restless leg syndrome. Oh um, no. Yeah, I, according to my uh, PSG, my first PSG at Sunnybrook, I was, to say I was thrashing about violently in my sleep is an understatement because I had um, a, 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 a index of 94, which means that on average, I was kicking my legs violently in my sleep about every 45 seconds. Jeez. Uh, and, and that's all night long, every 45 seconds, all night. Um, and, and one of my favorite things about the first season of the show is that every time I would reveal that little nugget to a different sleep researcher from around the planet, listening to the horror in their voices as they tried to somehow address that score, because that's off the charts bad. Um, we all move a little bit in our sleep and we all wake up, for example, you wake up a normal healthy sleeper wakes up about a dozen times a night. Most of those times are so short that you don't remember them. Every once in a while you remember one if you have to get up and go to the bathroom or something like right. that. But to be kicking the way I was, and my wife tells me that last night was the first time since I came back from Sunnybrook that I had one of those nights and I've been on the same oh. medication the whole time. And so now I get to get back on the phone to my doctor who, uh, and again, back catalog of the show, Mark Bullis from Sunnybrook Hospital has been on the show a bunch of times. Um, I get to try and dig back into, okay, I'm still taking my meds. Everything is okay. Why all of a sudden am I having trouble sleeping again? Because one thing I've learned, and you'll learn this on your journey too, is there's no magic bullet. There's Mm-mm. no one answer that works for everybody. Like you found tryptophan and a lot of people will swear by cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. But if I've learned anything in this journey doing the snooze button is that there's not one thing that works for everyone. Otherwise they would have patented it, put it out on the market and we wouldn't even have to do the show anymore. Right. Have you ever considered hypnotherapy? I have. It's so as I'm Uh, And again, for people who are joining the show for the first time ever, first of all, hi. Um, This whole thing is the research phase of a book made public. And so what is on the radar for season three and a little bit of carryover from season two as well is that as people give me tips, things that help them fall asleep. Like Shalina Kennedy, a Broadway actress who was on with us in season two, talked about just making her bedroom a comfortable space um, and using that to relax and a different breathing pattern that she uses when it's time to go to sleep. Ah. Or you had Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett uh, from uh, the United States Congress from the Virgin Islands who uh, suggested that certain nighttime activities um, might help one fall asleep better. And so what I'm doing oh, is I get these tips. that's just what her partner told her. That's just what her partner told her. Mine's tried that too. Next. It's a pretty, it's a pretty ballsy <laughs> thing to say for a congresswoman. I got to tell you that. I think um, I saw her on Bill Maher. If that's the woman I'm thinking yeah, of, I adore yeah. her. She's amazing. I love her. Oh, um, yeah. 
But as I'm compiling this list of tips that people are giving me, yeah. I'm going to try them all for a couple of weeks at a time. Yeah. See what kind of a difference they make, if any, along with cognitive performance tests that our friends at the University of Western Ontario have put together uh, in the Owen Sleep Lab uh, that are freely available. And I'll make sure I put the link in the episode notes for this as well. But um, so not just the things that my Fitbit tells me or that my dream headband tells me about my sleep, but it's how do I perform the next day? after I've been trying a weighted blanket for the last week or so, or after I tried melatonin, which yeah. again, Oh, it knocked me my... sideways. I was hung over after melatonin. Yeah. I mean, it works for some people. Well, that's very interesting. First off, Neil, a little advice from me, put your Fitbit mm -hmm. in, uh, wear socks to bed, put your Fitbit in your sock and think of all the steps you're gonna get in the nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. There's that plus. Now, and you, you that were right under, there yeah, is why wisdom. so many people spent so many years waking up with Aaron Davis in their ears. Now they're waking, oh. uh, they're going to sleep with her in their ears. But either way, it's Aaron Davis, so you win. <laughs> You're um, so Aaron, sweet. I am so grateful for the time. I told uh, our friend, well, he's about to be your friend, Michael Grandner, in an email. Um, Aaron is one of those people that if you are a, a male broadcaster in my country, Canada, uh, Aaron is one of those people that you want to work with before you decide to hang up your headphones and call it a career. I Aww. never got so lucky, but I feel like at least I got the chance to have this chat with you. I'm incredibly grateful for that. So thank oh, you. As I am too. And I wore my pajamas for you. I didn't even, we didn't even talk about the fact that I'm in my robe and jammies <laughs> to get in the total. Well, the setting is perfect. You're ready for jammies. Uh, now, I am. Uh, do, do you ever have that thing that people have where it's it's too hot, it's too, are you temperature sensitive at night like a lot of people are? We sleep with our doors open. Victoria, British Columbia has a temperature of about, mm, maybe usually about 65 to 70 Fahrenheit through about six months of the year. So at night it gets down into the, uh, you know, into the 50s or the 40s or the, the, oh. the 10s or single digits in Celsius. Uh, so it works out really well for me, but I'll tell you, even with a heat wave that had us up in the 90s and near 100 or the upper 30s Celsius, um, we never got rid of the flannel sheets all year long. I was remarking to my husband on that this year. I said, well, we've done it. Flannel sheets the entire summer. So right. I don't know. It's, Next step is Robin Laura Petrie and you're over here somewhere, you know, it's just- Well, it's, exactly. It, I have the weighted blanket. He does not, so it all works out. We 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 work it out 33 years later, so it, nice. it can be well, done. But I'm not doing entirely... river dance. I'm not doing river dance in the night like you are. So God bless no. your spouse, honestly. No, well, and so that means that Mrs. Headley and I have to have another conversation with Wendy Troxel, who um, I'll, I'll also make sure that you get to meet. Uh, Great. Who is is still all this time later talking about, and she's come to accept it now. The term that. Uh, made made its way around the internet a couple of years ago, and we wish they would have come up with a better name. But sleep divorce, uh, oh. you know, where where couples are sleeping in separate, either separate beds or even separate rooms. Yeah, which Wendy will tell you does amazing things for your sleep, but that's a subject for another yeah. conversation. And there's conjugal visits. You can add a bit of spice that way too. Hello, yeah. let's. Yeah, can we get Stacy Plaskett back on the phone? Why not? <laughs> 
Aaron, thank you. Yes. I appreciate the time. And again, um, I assume that Drift is available everywhere we get our podcasts, yes? Yeah, it's it's Frequency Podcast is where it's based. It's on Apple and you just Google it and there's a whole ton of stuff there for free. And if you subscribe, you get the, the interview element, the, the Catch My Drift part. So thank you for this. And let me know when the book is out or if you need a publisher. I got HarperCollins on my side, so you never well, know. If- if you've got yeah. them on speed dial, then maybe we should have an entirely separate conversation. Aaron, well, thanks again. Maybe we will. One for the books. Okay. Thank you, Neil, so much. That does it for this edition of the Snooze Button Podcast. Remember, if you're crunched for time, there is the nine-minute version called the Snooze Button Express. We explain why it's exactly nine minutes long every week on our website at thesnoozebutton.com. As for this week's episode, we're going to put all the information you need to connect with Aaron Davis on our website as well next week when we get together on the show. We talk wearables and a million other things as well with Jesse Cook. And we'll give you details as well on an upcoming newsletter from the Snooze Button that will once a week put the latest and greatest from sleep science and great information from the sleep world into your inbox if you so desire. So until we get together again next time, my name is Neil Headley. Hey, get some sleep, would you?